Yeah, I was, I remember when I first got into this and I was meeting new people um, and I'm fairly young in the field still. So I've got mistakes and, and struggles and all that stuff. But one thing I really um, wanted to do is, and I tell like my husband, I tell him, I'm like, this is like, my heart is so in it. And I want it to be where, you know, I want to see them succeed in their college career, in their professional career. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength and conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions, they are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I will put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is full of tools that coaches need like multiple max training methods, 16-plus reports, evaluation testing, goal-setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to TeamBuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. So please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach and a fellow iron. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Bolivar Central High School, and I have on today Miss Carolyn Palmer. Uh, I'm going to let her introduce herself and what she does and uh, give a little bit of background of her. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Caroline Palmer. I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist at um, Maritan Health Center. So it's for a program called the STAR program. It's in the sports enhancement department of Maritan Hospital. So I am private sector and then I do um, on, wow, I do on facility um, training. So I go to schools and do trainings there as well. Awesome. So talk to us a little bit about your journey to strength conditioning. What made you want to go into the sport performance side of things? It's a, I'll give you the shortened version. Um, I'm actually, I went to school as a non-traditional student. So I'm 31. And before I went to school for strength and conditioning, I was actually a licensed cosmetologist. So I had my business for eight years before I decided to switch careers and go into the strength conditioning field. So I kind of sold slash partitioned my business and my clients to some fellow competitors. And then um, I went back to school full time and became a student with people half my age. (laughs) So then after school, um, I initially wanted to do PT because I was a, I was a tech at a physical therapy, the same place that I work now. Um, it's just on another level. I was a tech for them for about a year. And then I decided respectfully that that was not my field. Rehab was not my field. But I'm super grateful that I got to experience that because prehab, rehab is definitely in our realm too. So 
I got to see what a PT's brain looked like, as well as learning what the sports performance side of things is supposed to be like. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, that's something that I kind of realized, too, because when I was in school, I wanted to go to physical therapy as well. So getting to see the rehab side of things and, you know, picking PTs and PTAs brain about uh, how they approach rehab and just the principles and the um, ideologies that they have in their own practice was really cool to see. So I, I kind of see what you're saying as well, because I, I worked as a tech for like two or three years as well. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, a tech life is uh, unique in its own little way. So. Yeah, for sure. It was, you go from scrubbing beds and, uh, being a little servant to really getting to see the nitty gritty behind, you know, why PTs do what they do, which is a beautiful field. So I commend all of them. Um, I'm thankful that I'm not in that realm. Um, I see sutures and all that stuff they had to clean up. And I was like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very unique in its own little way. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into this thing. So uh, we got like segments that we need to go through. Uh, the first one is try basic tricks and tips. This is where you give us a trick or a tip that you discovered in your own coaching experience. So this could be in the weight room, uh, on Google Sheets, field, court, whatever. Something to help other coaches. My tips and tricks. This can be anything. It doesn't have to be like, okay. Um, I would say, you know, all of us are in this field and we have our own kind of niches and what we like to do, but something that is all encompassing for every single person is to be a better um, reader of your athletes, for sure. Um, character development is really big. And I feel like especially the generation that all of us have right now, whether it be high school sector or collegiate sector, these kids need more than just someone to tell them reps and sets. They need someone to be able to read them, know when they're having a bad day, um, know them so much that if they're out of character, that you can respectfully pull them aside and be like, you know, what's up? So that would be my tip. And that's a, that's a great tip for someone, right? So especially if you work with high school kids and you know, they're going through a uh, very challenging part of their life, right? Um, not only is their bodies, phys you know, physically changing, but their mentality. They got hormones through the roof. I mean, the little thing can set them off. You know, it could be someone bumping them in the lunch or, um, you know, they broke up with their boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever. I mean, the littlest thing to like, well, my grandfather died or, you know, I had a family member pass away. I mean, any and everything could set those kids off. Right. Absolutely. I had a client or not client. I had an athlete. They call him client in the private sector world. Um, I had an athlete that I was training and he's usually like, go get it really outgoing. And, you know, after being with him for so long, I was like challenging him during our agility drills and he was getting frustrated, like super quick. And I just kind of read him and just kind of let it go. And then I had my other athletes um, intentionally going to do something else. So I said, hey, guys, go get those med balls over across the gym. So then it was just me and my athlete. And I was like, 
um, you doing okay? And he's like, and he revealed some stuff. And I was like, you know, before he left, I was like, the reason why I ask is to a not get in your business that way, which they all know mama, auntie Caroline gets in your business. <laughs> um, and that's what the, the term is coined mama, auntie Caroline, cause I'm one of those three to everybody. So, um, I was like, it's because I care. And that's really it. And from there, something just completely switched with him as far as him opening up um, in a, you know, a right manner, but him being like, okay, yeah, like, this isn't just uh, come in and sweat and leave. This is real. So yeah. Having that relationship, especially with your athletes is pretty key. You know, it's beyond the sets and reps. It's beyond just a number on the barbell. Like, Honestly, a lot of coaches, and I say, I, I know a lot of coaches that honestly do care about their athletes that walk through those doors. You know, just not as a athlete progressing through their career, but also as a person. You know, they're more than just a sport. They're more than just a weight on the bar. Yeah, I was, I remember when I first got into this and I was meeting new people um, and I'm fairly young in the field still. And so I've got mistakes and and struggles and all that stuff. But one thing I really um, wanted to do is, and I tell like my husband, I tell him, I'm like, this is like, my heart is so in it. And I want it to be where, you know, I want to see them succeed in their college career, in their professional career. But I also, I want it to be like, yeah, I want to invite coach Caroline to my baby shower or my wedding. Like I had heard a coach say that he was invited to life events. And I'm like, that's where it's beyond the walls for me. Absolutely. Uh, kind of diving into our heavy training topic for today. Um, we kind of briefly talked about it. Um, so we're going to be talking about speed development, mobility, and flexibility. So let's start with the speed development portion of this. How do you get your athletes faster? What do you do on a daily basis? And how can other coaches implement what you do? Um, so I will go ahead and give full credit to uh, Spellman Performance, Les, and CC um, and Jay for being able to um, provide content that is absorbable. Um, like I said, I'm new, but I'm super eager to learn. So the beautiful thing about my athletes is they come and I have, I have more personal time with them, thankfully. Um, so in my studies, I can implement those small changes without necessarily having to worry about like time being a factor. Um, I know people who have like 50 athletes in a room, they're like, okay, we have a lot to do in a short amount of time and I get my people for an hour. So that might be long to some people. Um, and that might be really short to, to others, but as far as, um, speed development, um, I take probably a half hour of my hour to work on. Um, I start them out with the basics as far as our a series, um, skips, um, you know, rhythms, trying to get them depending on what we're working on. Um, we'll work on like the postures of running, um, in our mechanics, everybody learns sprint mechanics all over again, and they'll do them every single session. And I say, I say, you know what to do. And they look at me and they're like, sprint mechanics. I'm like, yep, 
every day. You're going to love to hate them and you'll love them, love them. <laughs> so um, I'm really big on just posture. If we can get a middle schooler and a high schooler, a collegiate athlete to have the same posture in their running, then that is progression for me. Um, so we'll work on our drill series. Um, we'll work on our bounces. So um, just learning the rhythms of running is kind of where I focus more on. And then, of course, we have, um, I guess this kind of goes into flexibility, mobility, too. I don't know if you wanted that to stay separate. Um, but first thing we'll do is we'll always mobilize. So we will work on, um, you know, trunk mobility, um, preparing the, the trunk in general. Um, and then we will also go on to our ground-based kind of flexibility mobility. And that's kind of what Les has provided um, as far as me, me being able to implement that with my athletes. Um, Hips are huge, and what I've learned in usually a lot of people is that most of the strength coaches I hear we talk about posterior chain and how a lot of people lack strength, but they also lack just the ability to move posteriorly. So, working on the hips, um, I have a athlete who I was able to do some, um, kind of mobility testing with that I had learned with my PTs. So that's kind of where it reverts back to. And, you know, his internal external rotation was really limited. Um, and then just the generic, you know, hamstring, can you lift your leg off the ground without, you know, the hip tilting and everything falling apart. And so as far as the flexibility mobility component with, with speed, that translates right into our strength session as well. So I use all of that leading up to our acceleration, our max velocity. I use all of those um, flexibility mobility drills to get them primed for our lifting session that follows after that. Gotcha. So a uh, quick question here. So how do you work on things like acceleration or max velocity speed? I know that there's certain people that use a uh, 10 yard fly with a five yard build in, um, things like that. How do you assess your speed and how, what do you do on a daily basis with things like acceleration and max velocity and things of that nature? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, as far as like acceleration goes, we do, um, I always look at my notes because I will stutter and take too much time up. Um, we'll do a lot of, I like contrast training. So we will do a lot of resisted runs with, um, like fly runs. And, um, I feel like my athletes respond really well to that type of training. Um, and so as far as like, we'll go progression. So we'll start out depending on where we're at, we'll always start really heavy. And then as we go, through our weekly progressions, it'll get lighter, obviously. And as it gets lighter, then our distance starts to increase. So that's kind of a little bit of it. Okay, for sure, for sure. Um, is there any specific drills that y'all do in your speed sessions? For that first 30 minutes, is there anything specific that you do that you think, oh, this is like almost a staple in my program. This is a staple in 
my speed development. Oh, yes. Um, sorry if I went around that. <laughs> I did rabbit holes. <laughs> um, definitely fly, fly tens. My facility is, is, it's a beautiful facility. It's a little smaller. So um, we have a three lane track um, and it's 32 yards. I've measured it. It's 32 yards long. So if you take in consideration, you know, flies, you have to have that that span of time where they can actually fly in and then get your time. But then also their decel, you have to give them room to deaccelerate. So we do a lot of fly tens. And then I will actually, I don't know if this will be a tip trick or something crazy. Um, we'll take, we'll go off the track cause it's indoor and we'll go completely across the gym. So I, I will take them the, the diagonal length of our gym and that will give me probably a good 30 yard run. So that's when we're doing our max velocity stuff. We'll do a lot of 30 yard runs. Um, and then we can also do buildups as well. So I would say, um, 10 yard, 20 yard flies and sprints. Um, and then we will do 30 yard buildups. And then, um, with that, I can have them sometimes go into a 40, just depending on how, how much space I can actually get in there. Yeah, I got you. So you basically go from the corner to the corner of the gym. Yes. Okay. And I have, nice. I have a little open, um, mind you, it's three different surfaces because, because I'm in a, um, a sports enhancement rehabilitation facility, we have a track, we have a turf, and then there's a basketball court. So they are going across three different um, surfaces, but honestly, you do what you got to do. Right, for sure. And do you use anything to time? Do you hand time? Do you have a laser system? What do you use? I use a hand timer. I know people are going to be like, <laughs> but uh, right now that's what I have. Um, I've been looking at um, some timing systems. I had did a post on on Twitter just to get a feel of what people actually like. So um, I'm looking into some budget is budget. So um, if anybody who's listening has cost effective, hit me up. <laughs> Mike Boyle did a good piece on a timing system that he had. I can't remember for the life of me what it was. But he said it was cheap and it was effective. It was originally supposed to be like a rodeo timer or whatever, and it got changed basically, or it got brought into the strength conditioning world, and now people use it for um, their times. So uh, once we get off here, I'll look that back up and uh, send that to you so I can, because um, it's going to bother me if I don't figure out the name of it. So um, let's talk about mobility real quick. So I think that's something that, might get past a lot of strength conditioning coaches um, besides things like conditioning. Um, you know, we're so focused on strength. We want to know like conjugate and triphasic and post uh, activation potentiation, all this great, wonderful stuff. But I, there's certain times I do think that there's coaches that lack that mobility part of our training or part of their uh, practice. So what do you use? You talked about a little bit. What, what do you use? Uh, every day in your mobility training with your athletes? Um, every day in my mobility training, um, we will always start with, um, so we'll warm up, of course, get the body temperature 
rising. And then um, we usually don't do anything static. So it's always dynamic. Um, and the intensity builds. I mean, all, all of us know intensity is just gradual progression. Um, so what I like to do every single session is we will do rolling Vs. Um, we'll do iron crosses. I don't know if anybody, have you done an iron cross before? Yeah. Um, people call them several different things, but, <laughs> um, so we'll do iron crosses. You could look them up. Uh, we'll do scorpions. Um, adductor rocks have been rocking my world, pun intended. Um, but an adductor rock is where you go quadruped on all fours, and then you'll stick one of the legs out we're working that adductor area there and I'll just have them gently. I always emphasize gently because for some reason it's one to a hundred these kids. So they're just jamming back. It's like, slow it down, take some time. So once they feel that stretch in the adductor, they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. So they start to slow it down. It's almost like a pump. Um, if you will, we'll do 90 nineties. Um, that is kind of comical to watch to do, some kids do 90-90s because it's more like a uh, 97-180. So instead of the the knees bending, they, they're just, they're everywhere. Um, but you give them grace and we just ease into things. And then um, I like, we're quadruped. I like fire hydrants. And I think they like it more because then I always say, like you're peeing on a fire hydrant. Like, yeah, I got that every time. Um, and then we'll start to do some donkey kicks. We'll do leg swings in frontal and sagittal planes. Um, and that kind of leads into our speed mobility. So then we'll go into like side shuffle with arms. Um, we'll go backwards running. We'll go backwards skipping. It's amazing how many, how many, uh, athletes cannot go backwards. Very coordinating. So we work a lot of backward work um, and it's great for the hamstrings too. So that's a little tidbit. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so how do you structure that mobility in your training? So I know you do the, uh, your warm ups and everything like that. Um, so how do you structure that? Is there a certain way that you go in your mobility? So like, do you start from the top down? Do you go like, joints or how, how do you structure that so how i structure things and what's worked really well for me um is after they do their i'll have them go on the bike five minutes or the treadmill or they'll just get their body temperature going um we'll start from the feet up so we'll do a lacrosse ball or tennis ball lacrosse ball is a little um intensive for them so um we'll do tennis balls i'll have them go barefoot because people really aren't barefoot that often, especially in training as much as there's the barefoot shoe and that kind of stuff. But um, I'll have them take their Hey Dudes and their Crocs off. <laughs> and <laughs> they were, you know, they love it. So they'll um, roll out the bottom of their feet. I'll have them do um, heel walks, toe walks, heel to toes. Then we'll go into, um, you know, our hips. And then depending on our lifting session, I will have them incorporate some upper body um, warm up as well. So we could do inchworms, we could do um, band pull aparts, just activation at that point. 
So that's kind of how I structure the movement portion before we get into speed and then we get into strength work. Gotcha. And uh, I kind of got some flashbacks while I heard inchworm. So I was like, oh, that brings me back to college. And I, I don't think I've done the inchworm since um, college football. So, um, yeah, that, no, that's awesome. And uh, that's awesome that, you know, you, you're going with this barefoot training that um, I've, I've seen a lot of benefit from. I used to squat with, you know, flat shoes and everything like that. And I switched to actually um, going barefoot from time to time. Um, with my squats and feel a lot better. I, I like training barefoot now. Uh, I think it feels a little bit more natural um, in that aspect. So um, I just want to give that a quick shout out about um, the barefoot training and also telling your athletes to kick off the Crocs and Hey Dudes and slides and whatever else they're wearing into the into their sessions as well. Uh, I have to deal with that from forever, especially with football players. So. Yeah, I, it tends to be more of that crowd, but yeah, um, I like to look at the feet a lot. So in their evaluations, what I do, I have an evaluation. I'll have them take their shoes off and just walk. And they're just like, what am I doing? So I'll have them walk down, walk back, and then walk backwards. And I like to see if the foot pronates um, and which leads up the chain. So the knee or the ankle, the knee, the hip. And I can see how the body's moving. So then I have some athletes who, when they squat barefoot, you can just see that, that foot just splay out and then the knees. So then that gives like, it challenges me as a coach to be like, okay, what is beneficial? Do I need to ban something? Do I need to elevate? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. But I, I do too. I just think it feels a lot more natural. I've, that's what I've heard from the football guys because we went a time period where we just did foot, our barefoot training. One was because I was tired of everyone wearing Hey Dudes or Crocs inside the weight room. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of the problem. No more shoes in the weight room. And so, I mean, we went a little bit period of just not wearing any shoes. And, you know, I was seeing the same thing, you know. I get to see the feet and their evaluation, how they walk, how they move when they do lifts. I mean, I think it's beneficial to a point, but at the same time, like if you talk about safety hazards and stuff like that, you know, if a weight drops on their foot, it's their barefoot, you know, just stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I love barefoot training as well. I'll talk about, cause people mix up mobility and flexibility a lot. Um, you know, they, they are two separate entities. So talk to us about flexibility. What is flexibility to you and how do you implement it in your own program? I always like cringe at this question because I'm like, am I going to get this completely wrong? Um, so to me, not getting like nerdy, really. Um, flexibility for me is being able to keep one, like this is very, very um, self-definition. Um, the way that I see and view flexibility is to be able to move the body with something anchored. So you might have not heard that. It might be completely wrong, but in my eyes, that's kind of, I'm a, I'm a seer doer. So when I look at flexibility, can something move while another portion of the body is being anchored? So if you look at um, kind of the flexibility and then slash mobility of the ankle, 
normally people have them put their foot on the ground and then you have the wall in front of them. Can the leg bend or the knee bend forward without the heel popping up? So technically people would say, well, that's, that's ankle mobility. Yes. So then if that's off, how is the flexibility in the Achilles? How's the flexibility in the hamstrings? So I just kind of move up the chain that way. That might not have been what you're looking for, but that's what I got. Yeah, for sure. And something popped in my head as you were kind of talking about that. Um, Kind of referring back to that mobility piece. There's a lot of people that believe that lifting through a full range of motion is mobility training. What do you, what, what's your thoughts about that? Full range of motion. Um, well, you hear a lot of people talk about, it kind of goes back to what you said about um, squatting, but to the floor. Um, would that be full range of motion? And then you kind of look at different um, posts and literature about how not everyone should go butt to floor in a squat because, you know, anatomically, that might not be their full range of motion. So I think that I personally think from what I've seen, range of motion, if you can go through the technical application of a squat without having um, the backgrounding or not having something else pop up as an error, to me, that would be full range of motion. So if I can get someone to do a goblet squat with their trunk in neutral and they get no knee valgus, to me, that would be full range. Whether they get past 90 in their way of their setup, or not. So are you a big like um full range of mo- or I should say deep squat versus deep or um was it top of the thigh the parallel? So what's your stance on that like do you go butt the ground or do you like look at him and say okay the thighs are parallel to the floor? Good question. Um so for me if I can, if I know that they can get to a full depth squat, I would say full depth is beyond parallel. Um, that's kind of where I go with it. Um, you look at CrossFitters and when they do squats, they're basically their thigh or the back of their, their hamstrings touch their calves. Like they get so low, but is their back rounded? Not necessarily a, a to CrossFit, but when I get people that come in from there, they're used to moving so fast that when you slow things down and instead of their butt going to the floor with a neutral spine, they can't like they physically can't. They're just used to like going kyphotic and going into it. So back to the question, am I a butt to grass type of person? If I can get someone there healthily, and without any other issues and they can lift that way yeah sure why not and if they can't but they have the they have the potential to with the right stance and everything else that just means we need to sometimes unlock the hips we need to look at other modes that are 
are limit like what are the limiting factors for that? Gotcha. And I'm a big component of lifting through a full range of motion is partially mobility training. Um, but there's stuff that doesn't get highlighted as much, right? You talk about scapular range of motion. Um, a lot of people don't look at that kind of stuff, right? You know, looking at scapula and letting go through a full range of motion, or they go the opposite and they take a look at things that obviously in sports have been, um, or leads to injury, like softball and baseball players with their shoulders. Uh, football players a lot get hip issues at, at times, especially offensive linemen. So let's talk about that piece a little bit. Kind of the injury um, almost um, getting somewhere, or injury prevention, I guess is the best way to put it, through mobility, flexibility training. So is there a approach that you bring different to like say a baseball softball player compared to like an office alignment is there a difference in your training or your um, thought process for those athletes that might be exposed to um you know overuse on their joints like their hip and their shoulders yes um when it comes to the evaluation part of things, um, because I do get to work a little bit more one-on-one or one-on-five. Um, if I know that they are more of a baseball player cause they're multi-sport, but if I have a baseball player, a softball player coming in, uh, depending on their position, like my catcher that I have, um, she, I look at the throwing mechanics. I'm not a, um, skills coach, but I, I know sport enough to be able to like watch her mechanics of her throwing. And then also something as simple as hanging like a, um, a dead hang. And then, you know, watching that scapular motion, if you have them, you know, engage the lats, can they, most of the time they can. So how do you engage your lats from, from hanging? So that those little tests that I do, shows me where they're at with, you know, their firing capacity for their lats. Can they turn them on? Well, a lot of the times our throwers are so um, anteriorly dominant, which overuse. So I focus on, we, most people focus on the posterior part, but the lats for me get a lot of neglect and they don't know how to turn them on to be able to, you know, engage the shoulder muscles to pull it back or to um, help keep that joint really stable in the movement itself. Then with my, if you say alignment um, or someone who has more of, it's that stance, are they super stiff in that stance? Can they move well? Um, And I feel like a lot of a lot of my football players that I do have, they're very stiff as far as being able to move with fluidity um, without it being a risk factor, to be honest. Um, so just like the lap turning on the glute, the glute mead, can you turn that on? Can you stabilize your hip while being pushed in those kind of drills? That's kind of what I look at. Gotcha. And something that you said sparked an interest. 
Uh, you're talking about that, you know, football players are very, very stiff. And I do think that is due to a lack of things like mobility training, things that they're not going, their joints are not experiencing a full range of motion, um, especially under load. And that's why I like mobility training through strength training, right? Going through the full range of motion through our strength training because our joints are now exposed to external pressure. They're, they're, they are being weighted. They're being resisted. Um, so talk to me about this and this, this is going a little off script, but, um, how do you bridge the gap between, let's just say the football players that come in to see you and what they bring back to their team? Or do you like reach out to their coach and say, Hey, look, your ABC player came in and saw me today and their hips are absolutely terrible or whatever. How do you bridge the gap between trying to get athletes better on your end and helping almost educate coaches when they go back to their school or their sport? I love that question. That's beautiful. Because when I, this is, it's going to go back into it. So follow me. Um, <laughs> um, so when I started, I graduated and I was thinking about where I wanted to be, um, you know, you you could try to go collegiate. Um, I'm a female in a male dominant industry. So it's not like I was, I'm afraid of a challenge. I'm, a, I'm all good with the challenge, but just where do I want to be rooted? And I found myself wanting to be able to um, see the masses. So private sector is kind of where it led me to. And my area where I'm at, we have a huge, like we have, we have a school that has like the, one of the biggest school districts. Um, so where I'm at locally now, I have access to a ton of athletes. And because I've been around this area for so long, I know a lot of people. So I love people. So I don't mind going to schools, which is why I got into the job that I have now because we wanted to expand our sports um, enhancement. The schools around me don't really have any type of structured strength and conditioning, which a lot of coaches could be like, yeah, our school district doesn't either. So I wanted to be a central hub to not only just for athletes, but for the community. So I kind of position myself as an advocate for strength and conditioning in our industry or in our community. And so I've been to, you know, Indian Lake, Ben Logan, I currently go to Riverside and I've almost pitched myself and strength conditioning to these ADs, to these principals, to these coaches to say, it's not just me. I'm not this, you have to have me or nobody else, but it's more of a, you need this, like your school needs a person. So if it's not me, hallelujah, it's someone else. So um, going back to your question, I think the hardest part for the most challenging part for me is that I can't be everywhere. I'd like to be. But when I get, I call them my people, when I get my athletes in and I know that I can contact their coach or I can contact the AD and say, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing a cycle. I'm seeing a lot of this, which could lead to um, 
injury that I feel like your, your coaches should be aware of. I kind of give myself, um, I wouldn't say like freely to the coaches, but I let them know I am more than happy to come in and talk to your people. Um, our program has an awesome thing called Barbara Medicine and our PTs will go to some of our PTs are CSCS too. So they'll go into the schools with a bunch of coaches if they want to, and we'll put on a clinic, a weightlifting clinic, and then they will graciously give them my name. And then they can contact me if they want, you know, nutrition um, advice, if they want me to come in and observe their lifts. So I am here to just help. So as far as like when my kids come in and I can talk to their coach, it's a really awesome thing so that their coaches can talk about maybe getting their whole team in. So it, it's like these athletes are almost like a little mascot or an advocate for what I do. Um, and I, I don't have any qualms about telling my athletes, is there stuff that you like, do you feel like you're getting better? Do you feel like it? So um, I'm all for constructive criticism, but that's kind of the answer to that question. Yeah, for sure. And do you get reached out by any of the coaches saying, hey, I see improvements in, you know, this athlete and this athlete. I see she runs faster. She's changing the direction quicker. Um, he, you know, he's a lot deeper in squats, whatever. Do you get any of that feedback from the coaches? The ones that are open to communicating with me. Yeah. I'll get some text and say, you know, so-and-so had an awesome season or I seen one of the basketball coaches um, from Indian Lake and uh, they just won CBC. And he came up to me and he was like, you know, you have a lot of my guys. So and they're doing well. So um, beyond that part, you know, what are the challenges of, of, you know, getting more or having me there, I think, obviously, um, who wants to pony up the dough? Who wants to pay for it? Um, but yeah, it's it's just educating on this is a necessity if you're not giving it to them. But this is an opportunity. Gotcha, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's start. Go ahead and wrap this up a little bit. We'll go to our last segment here. So this is called Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So this is where you are going to shout out a specific coach that's doing well in the industry, making the impact in the industry of strength conditioning. Oh, man. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's a spotlight, all right. Um, wow. I would say just off the bat, I would say Michelle Toy. She is um, from Hawaii, um, but I believe she's in Cali now. She travels a lot. Lucky girl. But um, I would have to give her a shout out. She is, she's a dog. I love her. Um, she is humble. She is loving. She is a go-getter. Um, and within the field of, you know, strength conditioning, she really strives and hungers for more education. Um, and she just, she's here to serve. So love you, girlfriend. 
awesome. I I know some things about Michelle. Um, I haven't really d- dove deep into this. I'm I'm pretty fresh as well, pretty green into the field of strength conditioning. Um, so I'm still learning people's names, let them write. Um, you know, getting to meet a lot of good people, and it's really awesome to meet good people like her and uh, a few others out there that are you know killing it in the game of strength and conditioning right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a a nice tight knit community of females that um, we have a, a chat on Instagram, and we'll just talk about random stuff, but we'll also talk about strength and conditioning. So uh, I'm really thankful to have the community of women and men around. Um, you didn't ask for this one, but Nico Palzetti, he's at Cincinnati and he has been a great mentor um, and encouragement to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be on here. Um, if anyone doesn't know, this is her first podcast episode. So <laughs> Um, I'm sure there'll be more to come, but I just want to thank you for um, just coming on and bringing more insight into things like mobility, flexibility, speed development, and uh, being having the chance to actually connect with you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. And thanks for everyone who has followed the rabbit trails. <laughs> awesome. And that's another episode of the Conjuring Chats. Please follow our social medias at Conjuring Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, Follow Caroline on her uh, socials as well. So in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.